Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. <clears throat> my name is Patrick Hayes, and my regular co-host, Caleb, is not going to be here tonight. I believe he has some court-ordered hours of community service that he needs to complete before the end of the month, and they take that public intoxication thing pretty seriously down in Texas, and we're going to support Caleb in his efforts to clean up his once good name. So you got me for an hour tonight. You're not going to hear Caleb and I chit-chatting, having a discussion. It's just going to be Patrick Hayes here with you for the whole hour. And I am going to be given more of a lesson and teaching you something that I believe is very important. So as we go through this, number one, please forgive me because I am going to be relying on my notes a little bit. And... I want it to come off sounding well for the podcast, for those who just listen later on down the road, whether it be on Spotify or Google Play or iHeartRadio. We want the audio to go well, so I'm going to be focusing on trying to do a good job with the audio. With that being said, this video is available on Facebook. You can go to our Facebook page. I believe it's Facebook book slash, uh, I don't actually know. I think you can search for hashtag Bible Thumper 1611 or at Bible Thumper 1611. Anyway, it's not hard to find and you'll be able to find this video and I'm going to be inserting slides into this video. And the purpose for that is for you to be able to share this video with whoever you like, someone who maybe is not saved and is wondering about what the Bible says and how to go to heaven. You can share this with anybody who wants to learn how to lead someone to the Lord and see them get saved. And we're going to have all the verses on the screen and everything, so you'll be able to follow along. Even if you don't have your Bible, you can follow along, and all the references will be there. So I'm going to be trying to insert slides into this video as we go. So bear with me. And if you're listening just to audio in a podcast format, you can always find the video online. And you, can, and you can watch it with all the slides, and hopefully that'll be helpful. So tonight, I am going to teach a lesson that I call Salvation 101. And I'm going to start by asking everybody one question. At the moment, it's a rhetorical question. I don't need everyone to shout out the answer. But it is a question that you need to ask yourself. It is also a question you will need to have an answer for one day. And the question is a very simple one. Are you 100% sure, without any doubt, that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven when you die? Now, many people initially think, ah, sure, I'm going to heaven when I die. And that is usually the kind of cavalier answer that you're going to get. A lot of people won't take the question too seriously, just thinking, oh, I'm sure I'm fine. Um, yeah, I'm not worried about it. Now, the most honest answer I hear and the most often given is, I sure hope so. But I don't know. I'm going to ask everyone to seriously consider the possibility that they are not saved and that they will not be granted entry into heaven when they die. 
a lot of people don't like thinking about that, especially if you've been raised in church, you've been in church for a long time, you've been reading the Bible, and no one likes to think that they could fit into that category. I'm just going to ask you to consider the possibility. So let's go over a few terms before we get started. Salvation. Salvation is what we need in order to get into heaven. Salvation is when your sins are forgiven. The debt is paid for, and when you stand before God one day, there are no sins that you are guilty of. They've all been paid for. It's in the past. It's done and over with. You have a clean slate. That's salvation. We're going to get into the specifics of that as we go here in a little bit. The next term is saved. Now, a person who is saved, they have that. They have salvation. They are going to heaven when they die because they have this thing we call salvation. Then there is the term lost. A lost person does not have salvation. They are not going to heaven when they die. When a lost person dies, they will go to hell. The Bible says that hell is a real place. It is a place of eternal torment and fire with complete and total separation from God. Jesus talks about hell many, many times in the New Testament, and he always refers to hell as a literal place. It is never used as an analogy. It is never used in a parable. Every time Jesus talks about hell, it is a real place. Now, we must remember that the whole world can be divided into two groups. Everyone is either saved or lost. It is not a spectrum. You're not somewhere in the middle. The Bible says it is a line of separation. You are either on one side and you are saved or you are on the other side and you are lost. It's not a process to get from one place to another. Another thing about salvation, you cannot be any worse off than you are today. Now, let me explain. Lost and going to hell is the absolute worst state mankind can be in, meaning it can only get better from there. You can get saved and be destined for heaven. If you are saved, then that is the very worst it will ever be. It cannot get any worse if you're saved. Now, you might have hard times in this life, but when you die, you go straight to heaven and you are with God forever, and that is the best state you can ever be in. You see, the lost person can only get saved, but the saved person can never become lost again. Now, that's great news. Now, there are groups that will argue that, but we live in America, and you have the legal right to be doctrinally wrong. And those people are wrong. You can only pass from death on to life. We all start off lost. As we go through our life, we either get salvation or we don't. But the great thing about it is that the choice is ours. It is a one-way street. And we're going to get into a few more details about that in a minute.
I want to start by looking at what I believe are the three most terrifying verses in the entire Bible. If you are new to Christianity, or if you are new to the Bible, this might not mean a whole lot to you. But for any of us who have read through the Bible, who have been going to church, who have learned about the Bible and learned about Jesus and learned about salvation, this should literally scare the pants off you. Jesus warns us of this horrifying idea in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. The idea is that we could regularly go to church, read the Bible, and even volunteer and work in our church in some capacity. And our whole life, we think we are going to heaven. We think we are saved, only to find out on the day we die that our destiny, our destination, is eternity in hell. Let's read Matthew chapter 7, verses 21, 22, and 23, and then we'll kind of go over those three verses and dig into them a little bit. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Jesus is the one that's speaking in these verses. And the things that he says that are disturbing is, number one, not everyone who thinks they are going to heaven will make it in. Jesus says we need to do the will of the Father, which is in heaven. Now, we'll go over this idea in more detail later, but for now, let's just say that there is only one way into heaven, and that is God's way. There is no other way. There are not a lot of ways. There is one way, and it is God's way. You are not going to sneak in somehow. You are not special. It's the same for everybody. In verse 22, I want to mention this just briefly, where we see in that day, in that day, Jesus is referring to the judgment seat of Christ. So if you look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, he says, in that day, the judgment seat of Christ is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. This is a single event where everyone who is saved is granted access into heaven. You can look that up on your own and you can do your own homework. Point number two. More importantly than the first point is the second point that Jesus makes. He specifically tells us that three groups of people who think they are going to heaven are not going to get in. And it also explains to us what they have done throughout their lives. 
you have the prophet. The prophet is someone who preaches or teaches the Bible, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher. And I understand what our understanding of a an Old Testament prophet is, and we're used to futuristic prophecies, but understand in the New Testament, it talks about prophets, and we see that a prophet is someone that declares the Word of God. So you have someone who is teaching the Bible, someone who is preaching the Bible. The next group you have is the holy man, the one who is directly or indirectly involved in supernatural miracles. And I'm going to switch back over here to Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, and we can read this again. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? There's the prophet. And in thy name have cast out devils. So that's a supernatural hand of God miracle. You have people who are involved in supernatural miracles of God. And Jesus is saying, these people, just because you do this, doesn't mean you're going to end up in heaven. And then the third group is the worker, one who works for God, gives money to the cause, donates their time, donates their energy, humanitarian and missionary work. The outside world says these people have done God's work. And there we see in that verse, and in thy name done many wonderful works. The most important thing to notice in verse 22 is the way it starts out. Jesus says, many will say to me in that day. Notice all the people, number one, know who Jesus is. And number two, acknowledge him as Lord. These are the people who do not make it into heaven. Now, obviously, there are <laughs> most of the people that make it into heaven, they also know who Jesus is and acknowledge him as Lord. What Jesus is pointing out here is that there is going to be a segment of society that knows who he is and believes that he is God, and they are still not going to get into heaven. And most of us, when we read this portion of scripture, we're thinking, well, why, how, how does, how on earth does that work? And obviously we're going to answer that question. Now let's look at the first word in verse 22. How many people won't make it into heaven who think they are going? Well, the answer is many. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? The idea that there will be many people who are either prophet, one who is used for miracles, or a worker for the Lord many of them will not make it into heaven, is disturbing. Now, point number three, and bear with me as I just move through the slides here to get where I'm trying to go. Point number three is that they don't know Jesus. We have already established that they know who Jesus is. So what's the difference? The difference is that they don't know him. To give you an example, I know who George Washington is. I've read a lot about him. I know a lot of facts about him. I believe that he was a man who was British. I believe he was a man that came to the 
uh, United the uh, 13 colonies. Uh, I believe that he was a man who uh, rose up through the ranks uh, in the British Army and then was uh, uh, asked to lead the uh, um, the uh, War of Independence and the, the the United States and their army after we declared our independence from uh, from England. I believe he was our first president. I'm, all the facts that I've read about George Washington, I believe him. One hundred percent. I don't doubt any of them. I, I, my second son, his name is Washington. I am a fan of George Washington, and I've read lots of books about him. Do I know George Washington? Well, the answer is no. I don't know him. Jesus tells us here that there is some level of communication that is lacking between the lost and himself. They know about Jesus, but they don't know him. Jesus said that. He said those words. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who work iniquity. So as we go through the Bible this evening, I would ask you to think on these three verses in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21, 22, and 23. This terrifying warning that Jesus gives the world, which is this, don't think you are saved don't hope you are saved. Know without a doubt that you are saved. It was these three verses in Matthew that God used to bring me to the point of salvation. I thought I was saved for several years, but in reality, I was lost and I was on my way to hell. These three verses in Matthew haunted me until I dealt with the reality. The reality was I was lost and I needed salvation. The last thing I would ask the whole world is this. Please don't let your pride take you to hell. I have witnessed pastors and their wives and their children get saved. I have seen Sunday tools. Sunday school teachers get saved. I have seen missionaries get saved. I have seen the faithful church members of many years get saved. I have seen deacons and the church pianist get saved. Do not let your pride get in the way. So many people who are raised in church just have this idea that they must be saved because they were raised this way, and that's just not so. Please don't think there is no way I could be amongst the lost. Let us look at what the Bible says with an open mind and consider whether we have what the Bible says is salvation. If at the end of the night we can say, I absolutely have that, I know I am saved, well, that's wonderful. The following question is, what are you doing with it? Hopefully you are leading others to salvation. If at the end of the evening we say, I don't think I have salvation, then we can take care of it right now. This very hour, we will make sure that we understand what the Bible says, and we will go to the Lord. We will call upon the name of the Lord, as it says in Romans ten thirteen, and we will secure our salvation forever. We can get it settled. So believe it or not, that was all by the way of introduction. And now we're going to get into the lesson. There's one thing I would hope we could all agree on. 
And that is that Democrats and Republicans, Jews and Gentiles, the rich and the poor, the young and the old, one day we are all going to die. We're going to cross a threshold and something is going to be very different. We need to make sure that we know where we are going when that day comes. And unfortunately, we don't get a say in when that day comes. So what does the Bible say about going to heaven? Well, one of the frustrations that a lot of people who read the Bible have is that God didn't make a video like we are doing now. For that matter, God didn't write out the plan of salvation all in one spot. Another way to say it is that there is no individual chapter on salvation, or when you read through the Bible, we can't say that, oh, this is kind of like the book of salvation. There's no one book that is needed for salvation. I would argue that you can piece it together from hundreds of chapters throughout the entire Bible. And tonight, we're going to focus on the portions of the Bible that most clearly and easily explain the topic of salvation in a straightforward manner, and we're going to do that for the sake of brevity. There are four simple points we need to understand to get saved. I am sure that there are scholars out there more intelligent than me that might argue this, and that's fine. What I'm trying to do is reduce salvation to its most simple and easy to understand number of facts. What is the minimum requirement for salvation? Do you need to read and understand the whole Bible? Nope. I believe you need to understand four points. Now, it's great that you learn more, but it's not necessary. I'm going to go over what I believe is the simplest way to lead someone to salvation. Tonight, I'm going to try to kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to do this as if I'm teaching you all how to lead someone else to salvation. And I'm going to do this as if you listening to this tonight are not saved and you want to get saved. Now, the next time I have the microphone to myself, and I don't know when that'll be because Caleb kind of sprung this on me last minute. I will go over some other topics, points, things to consider with salvation. We'll go over grace versus works and the difference between the words salvation, uh, justification, sanctification. We'll go over the topic of eternal security and some other things. And I have a lesson that I call Salvation 102, and that covers a lot of these other topics. Tonight, what you're listening to is a message that I call Salvation 101. So the starting point I always use when trying to lead someone to salvation is the same question. I always ask at the beginning of every conversation with a lost person that I want to see saved. And that question is this, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure without any doubt that you would go to heaven when you died? Or would you say, you know what? I hope I'd go to heaven, but I'm not sure. There's no right or wrong answer. There's only an honest one. And that's what we're looking for. Honestly, 
Are you 100% sure or are you less than that? Now, I have asked this question to hundreds of people, and when they say they are not sure, then I ask them if we can sit down and go over the Bible, you know, open up the Bible, look at a few verses, and that's what we're going to get into here. How you get to that question doesn't matter. For me, I usually make it straightforward. Whether it's a customer of mine or a family member or a friend or a stranger on an airplane or a bus that I'm sitting next to, I will always just get to the point where I say, hey, let me ask you a question, okay? Are you 100% sure that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven when you die? Or would you say, you know what, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not sure about that. And most people I find are either 100% or they say, you know what, I'm really not sure, um, but then you, then you, then you ask the follow-up question. Well, do you mind if I take the Bible and I, we take five minutes and I just show you what the Bible says, so you can be sure. So many people are so scared to ask those questions, and honestly, I have no idea why. Every time I ask people those questions, it's always a good interaction. The, the number of times where I've had people upset with me are very few. To be honest with you, I've had more people upset with me, you know, just going to work or driving down the road. Uh, it, it always feels good when I'm done. It, it's just like jogging. I kind of drag my feet and I don't want to do it and it doesn't sound all that great. And then as soon as I'm done, I'm like, man, I feel good. I need to do that more often. So when they say, sure, you can take the Bible and you can talk to me about you know, salvation. I say, okay, great. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Romans chapter three, verse 23. And we are going to go over the first point. And the first point is this, we are all sinners. Let's see. Sorry, I'm a little behind on the slides. Let's see if we can work our way through this and find where we're supposed to be. You know what? We're just going to read the verse because it doesn't seem like I have the verse up here. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's a pretty short, simple verse. And I ask everyone the same thing. I say, look, a sin is simply breaking one of God's laws. That's all a sin is. God says, don't do this. We do it. That's a sin. Some people have broken a lot of God's laws. Some people break only a few of God's laws, but everyone has broken some of God's laws. So here's the first question. Do you agree that you are a sinner? Yes, I am. Of course. Okay, I agree too. I am a sinner as well. I try to do good, but in the end, I certainly fall short. I sin every day. And, you know, all I can say is that I am not sinless, but since I've become a Christian, I certainly sin less. Now, keep in mind, if someone at this point, does not believe that they are a sinner, they cannot get saved. In no way whatsoever are you to continue the gospel hoping that they pray at the end. Just like a drowning man can get saved, but someone floating down the river on an inner tube, someone swimming laps in a pool, you cannot save them because they are not in need of saving. They do not believe they are drowning. Whether they are or they are not, it does not matter. 
someone can only get saved from their sin if they believe they are a sinner. The answer for this, if they are not willing to admit they are sinners, is the same as the answer to several other problems you'll run into. They need to get a Bible and they need to start reading it. Take the book of Matthew and read through it. Learn the life of Jesus. Learn his teachings. Write down any questions you have and bring them to me and let's start looking at this and talking about it. And I would also recommend that they would start praying before they read the Bible every day, asking for God to show them his will for their life. Asking you sh shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be opened unto you. But if they do not believe they're sinners, they can't get saved. So we're wasting our time from that point on if we continue with the gospel message. After we go over the fact that they are sinners, then we have to go over point number two. The penalty for sin is hell. We find this in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The first verse we read was Romans chapter 3, verse 23. The second verse is Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that verse has some good news and some bad news, and we're just going to focus on the bad news for right now. For the wages of sin is death. That word wage is something you earn. We usually think of a wage as something we get for something we do. Some of us earn minimum wage. If we work for a day, we get paid money. That is our wage. In this case, the wage isn't a good thing. It's a bad thing. There is a penalty for sin, and the Bible calls it death. Now, in this case, it's not talking about when we get old and die one day. We are all going to die. But here it is talking about what happens after we die. God calls this the second death. Let's take a look and see what God is talking about here. In the book, and let's see if I have a slide ready for this. It does not look like I do. Forgive me. I'm behind a little bit. So you're going to have to just turn with me in your Bible to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 8. And we're going to look at what God is talking about here when he says the, uh, the, uh, the wages of sin is death. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, we read, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So, here we see God is talking about the second death. So we die once physically, and then we go to one of two places. If we have no sin in our lives whatsoever, because those sins have been forgiven, then we go to heaven. If we have any sin at all in our lives, we go to hell. Here God refers to hell as the lake of fire, and he calls it the second death. This is the death we are talking about, here in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, when we say the wages of sin is death. This leads us to our second question. So I asked the person, if someone dies with sin in their life, where do they go? Well, the answer is they go to hell. I say, that's right. That's the bad news. But if that wasn't true, I wouldn't be here talking to you. 
if everybody died and went to heaven, I would probably stop going to church and reading the Bible and doing this podcast and teaching people about the Bible and warning people about hell and trying to get them saved. Because at the end of the day, if everyone's going to heaven, then what? why? <laughs> let's just enjoy our lives and forget about this, and I'll see you all in heaven one day. But the the fact is, that's not what the Lord Jesus said. He he never said that. He never said anything like that. He warned about hell constantly uh, through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. It is everywhere. Again, keep in mind, if someone does not believe hell is real or they are not on their way there, they cannot get saved for they have no need of salvation. I will not continue with the gospel if they do not believe point number two. Point number three is the good news, and this is exciting, and this is where it gets fun to give the gospel, and that is God made a way for us to have our sins forgiven and go to heaven. Isn't that nice? I'm going to step away from the Bible for a minute and just tell you the story of Jesus. You can read about the entire life of Jesus in the first four books of the New Testament. My favorite one of those four books is the book of Matthew. A lot of people suggest reading the book of John. I don't know why. It doesn't matter. Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary. He grew up and lived a sinless life. Even though he was tempted like we are, he never sinned even once. When he was about 30 years old, he began to preach and teach the Bible. To prove he was God, he performed miracles. As he traveled around the country, he healed the sick gave sight to the blind, he even walked on water, and he brought the dead back to life. Needless to say, people were impressed, and they followed him, and they wanted to learn what he was teaching. The religious rulers of the time didn't like him, and they planned how they could arrest him and kill him. They bribed one of his followers to lie about Jesus and falsely accuse him. They arrested Jesus, and they beat him and tortured him and killed him. They executed an innocent man, and he paid for a crime that he did not commit. Keep in mind, we're still talking about Jesus. He was the innocent man that they executed. The way they killed him was by crucifixion. The reason Jesus went through all that was to pay for our sins so we don't have to. The way it works is that we want to go to heaven, but we can't because we have sin in our life. And no sin is allowed into heaven. If, if sin were allowed into heaven, heaven would be just like earth. So for us to be allowed into heaven, our sin must be completely gone. It must be paid for. When, Je when Jesus died on the cross, he took upon his shoulders your sins and mine. He paid our debt for us. Think of it this way. Have you ever gotten a parking ticket? Most people have gotten a parking ticket or a speeding ticket. Lots of us have. Now, does the court care? if you pay for the ticket, or if I pay for the ticket, or if someone else pays for the ticket. Absolutely not. So long as the ticket gets 
paid. The court doesn't care who the money comes from. You can pay for the ticket for your son or daughter or best friend or whatever. They don't care. They just want their money. In the same way, we have this sin in our life that is keeping us from getting into heaven. We can pay for our own sin, but the only way we can do that is in hell forever after we die. That is what we have to go through to pay for the sin in our life. But if we want, Jesus will do it for us. He will pay for our sins so we don't have to. And really, the neat thing is he's already done it. It's not like we have to ask him and he thinks about it and then he decides, okay, I'll go ahead and pay this debt for you. He already did it. He did it for the whole world. The, the work has been done. He already paid the debt when he died on the cross. When Jesus was asked by a man how to go to heaven, and this is where we bring people back to the Bible when we're explaining the gospel, we bring them to John chapter 14, verse 6, and I'm afraid, oh boy, look at that. Turns out that I did have some of these verses here. We bring them to John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Jesus said there is only one way to get to heaven, and it is through him. Don't ever believe anybody that tells you that, oh, there's lots of ways to get to heaven and God doesn't care. That is a lie. That's not what Jesus said. He said there is one way to get to the Father, which is in heaven, and that is through me. So Jesus said there is only one way. When another man asked Jesus how to go to heaven, we find the answer written in John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, learning about who Jesus is, is not enough. There is an event that must take place. Jesus calls this being born again. You ever hear of those annoying born again Christians? Well, this is where the title came from. The Lord Jesus uh, came up with the term born again. So when Jesus explains how to get saved, he compares it to a one-time irreversible event, and that was being born. So I always ask people, I say, well, where were you born? And for me, I was born in, I think it's called Chilton Memorial Hospital in northern New Jersey in Passaic County. Okay, when were you born? Well, I was born in August 1979. Okay, and you know how you were born. Like all of us, we were inside our mom and we came out. So is it fair to say that you know when, where, and how you were born? Of course. In the same way, that is what getting saved is like. It is not a process over time. It is a single event, just like being born physically. If you don't know when, where, and how it happened, guess what? It did not happen. <laughs> that was terrible. Guess what? If you don't know when, where, and how it happened, guess what? It didn't happen. I am not saying that you need to know the exact date when you were saved. I don't remember it. I can tell you the year. I can tell you the week. I can tell you the day of the week. But honestly, I couldn't you know, get you much closer than pretty close. 
but you need to remember something about the event. For example, when you were a child, did you have a favorite vacation? Do you remember going camping or going, you know, sometime when you got to ride on a boat or go to an amusement park or some special event in your life? Do you remember that as a kid? Sure. Okay. Everyone has something that was special that they remember. Now we don't remember the exact day, but we do remember details surrounding that event. Yeah. We're on vacation. I think we're down in Florida. I think it was SeaWorld and I got to pet a dolphin. All right, great. So you knew where you were and what happened around that time. And you remember you were a kid, maybe this old or that old. And you know, it was the summertime. Okay. So the event took place. You didn't imagine it. And it's the same way with salvation. If you, if you can't remember when, where, and how you were saved, you did not get saved. It, it, it always blows me away when people are like, oh yeah, I got saved when I was four. Oh, great. Tell me about it. Well, I don't remember anything. I was four. Well, how do you know you got saved? Why on earth would you trust that you are going to heaven and believe that your eternal, your eternal life is secure because of an event that you can't even remember? Someone told you about it. It's, it's nonsensical. You had to be there. You had to remember it. <laughs> you had to make a conscious decision when you got saved. It's the same as salvation. It is an event that takes place in your life that you remember. Here's the third question. The only way to get to heaven and get our sins forgiven is through who? The answer to that is through Jesus. Keep in mind, if someone does not believe that Jesus is God, they cannot get saved. No mortal man can die for our sins. Only the blood of God is an acceptable sacrifice to wash away our sins. Jesus must be God. If he is not, no one can get saved. And why would you call upon Jesus to save you if he was not God? Okay, let's look at the fourth thing we need to understand in order to get saved. The fourth thing we need in order to get saved, oh, it's going to be like five slides back because I mixed these up. <clears throat> we must receive the gift. And we're going to review these here in a minute. Jesus already did the work. He paid the penalty for my sin. All I have to do is receive the gift. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Remember, they are not magic words that save us. We need to believe what we are saying. If we believe that Jesus is God and we call on him, he will save us. This next verse is my absolute favorite verse in the entire Bible. Lots of people have a favorite verse. This is mine. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So who will God save if they call on him? Everybody and anybody. Is that what it says? It says, for whosoever 
shall call upon the name of the Lord. That's everybody and anybody. It is not excluding one single person. And notice that God promises, whosoever shall call on him shall be saved. It doesn't say you might be saved. It doesn't say you can hope you're saved. It says shall be saved. God promises that if we call on him, he will save us. That's just great news. That verse is so simple, and I just love it so much. So it works like this. Let's say I wrapped up a small gift, and I gave it to you tonight for your birthday or anniversary or whatever. And you got a little box, and it's wrapped up in wrapping paper and got a little bow on it. And you take it home, and you set it on a shelf by the front door where, you know, whatever, you keep your car keys and your wallet. But you forget to open the gift. A week later, I ask you, hey, what would you think of that gift? And you say, oh, I forgot to open it. Another week goes by, month goes by, several years go by. Then you move far away and you forgot the gift on the same shelf by your front door and now you live in another state and yada, yada, yada. Here's the question. Did I still give you that gift? Yeah, I gave it to you. You knew it was there for you. You knew it was a gift from me. You didn't open it. Another way to say it is you did not receive the gift. When Jesus died on the cross, he did that to pay for your sins and mine. He did the work. Whether you receive the gift or not is up to you, but he did it. There's no more work that needs to be done. So we receive the gift when we call on Jesus for salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let's have a quick review. Do you agree that you have sinned? Yeah, me too. Where do sinners go if they die without receiving forgiveness from their sins? Well, they die and they go to hell. Okay, the only way to have our sins forgiven and to go to heaven is through who? Well, that would be Jesus. Do you believe Jesus is God? Yes, I do. If you called on Jesus right now to forgive you of your sins, do you believe that he would do it? Well, yes, that's what the Bible says. I, I do believe that he would do it if I called on him. Okay, will you pray with me right now so you know once and for all that you did exactly what the Bible said in order to get saved? And at this point, when they say yes, I say, great, let's get down on our knees right here, you know, whatever, at the dining room table or at the, you know, on the couch in the living room and, and let's pray. And I tell everyone the same thing. I say, look, I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer. Just repeat after me. When we're done praying, if you have any questions or concerns about what we said, just let me know. And I always lead them in, a, in, a, in the exact same prayer. I mean, I, I probably use the same words. I've said it so many times. And, and the reason I do that is just because it's, it's simple and it's straightforward and I don't you know, forget my place. Uh, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to die and go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Please forgive me of my sins and save me right now. Jesus, I believe you are God and the only way to get to heaven. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I ask, did you believe that to the best of your ability? Yes, I did. Great. Then what does the Bible say? 
and I make them say it. I don't tell anyone they're saved. I say, based on what you learned tonight and what we just did, what does the Bible say? And they say, well, it says that um, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. I said, that's right. I say, what would have happened if you were to die an hour ago before we did this? And almost everyone says, well, I would have died and gone to hell. Yep. That's what the Bible says. And if you're to die an hour from now, where are you going to go? I'm going to go to heaven. What about if you die a year from now, where are you going to go? Going to go to heaven. What if you die 20 years from now? I'm going to go to heaven. (coughs) I say, that's great. You got to figure it out. That's exactly what the Bible says. Now, if there is anyone under the power of my voice that is not sure if they're going to heaven, if you believe you're a sinner, if you believe that sinners, when they die, they go to hell because their sins have not been forgiven. If you believe that the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus, if you believe that Jesus is God, and if you believe that Jesus would save you, if you just called on him right now, then do me a favor, just back this up about a minute and pray that prayer. Did you mean it to the best of your ability? Yeah, great. Then you called on the name of the Lord. You did exactly what the Bible said. And I'll tell you something. I've had several times where we went through all of that and someone said, you know what, Patrick, when I was a little kid and they give me the same story, they're like, when I was nine years old, I had a friend and he went to this old fashioned Baptist church and they were having a a revival meeting and the preacher preached on hell and getting saved. And, and I was just a little kid, but I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. And I, and I believed everything he said. And, and he asked me to you know, everyone to come forward if we wanted to go to heaven. And we did. And we prayed a prayer exactly like that. And I went home so happy. They're like, what do you think of that? And I say, well, I think you probably got saved when you were nine years old. And I think that's awesome. But here's what I can tell you. I know for sure that you and I went through the Bible and we went through everything you need to understand. And you gave me all the right answers and you did exactly what the Bible said in order to get saved. I said, so you know, as far as I'm concerned, you and I did the exact same thing and we did exactly what the Bible says. And that means that heaven is our destination one day when we're going to die. Did you get saved as a kid? Yeah, maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. I wasn't there. Okay. But either way, we got it settled now and you don't have to worry about it anymore. And if you ever do worry about it, please come and talk to me. I certainly want to, you know, go over it and kind of cover it with you. Okay. So, Let's see. We have a couple minutes and we don't have any questions listed. That's okay. We don't have a big turnout as far as folks listening to us live. So I'm just going to jump into a couple other points here that I got written down and we'll see if any of this stuff helps. And then we'll kind of move on from here. And for the couple of folks that are listening to us live, if you have a question, please type it in. I'll see it come up here and we can deal with it before the end of the evening. What if someone has a problem with believing they're a sinner? Well, I always usually just run people through the Ten Commandments because every one of us is, (laughs) is messed up on some of those. You can also go back to Revelation, I think it was chapter, uh, was it 21, verse 8, where it talks about that all liars will have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. So we got to understand that being a sinner is very simply breaking one of God's rules. And God has very, 
you know, simple, easy rules to break. But again, if someone doesn't believe they're a sinner, well, we can't really get them saved. But what we can do is we can show them other parts of the Bible. And if nothing else, we can pray that God haunts them <laughs> and won't let them sleep a wink until they agree. Uh, and we can ask the Holy Spirit to bring conviction that they are a sinner and that they will come, you know, running back to us saying, hey, can you show me that stuff in the Bible again? I want to get saved. And that can happen, you know, because God wants them saved too. Okay, another one you're going to run into is, well, I just don't believe the Bible. My first question with that is always the same. Well, have you ever read the Bible? And usually the answer is no. And I think very quickly they realize how ridiculous they sound. So with that, I'll ask them if they are willing to read some of the Bible. In the average Bible, the book of Matthew is less than 50 pages. And I'll ask them if they are wrong, would they want to know the truth? Meaning, would you be willing to read the Bible with an open mind and see if God speaks to you? And a lot of people will say yes. If someone says no, they don't believe the Bible, they don't believe they're a sinner, they don't believe Jesus is God, and they won't read the Bible, well, then you kind of at a point where um, you did your job and we're going to pray that another Christian will come by after God works on their heart and softens it. And then the, the next Christian will do their job and that will help the person. That's really all we can do. Finally, I'll ask them if they would be willing to pray with me and we'll ask God to reveal himself as they read the Bible. And then I will usually get them a Bible. I will ask them if they will read it with me. And I don't mean we have to do it together. I just mean we'll each decide that we're going to read a chapter of the book of Matthew per night. We're going to be through the whole thing in a month, 28 chapters, uh, you know, 28 days in the shortest month of the year. And then after that, um, we're going to ask them, you know, to pray while they're reading through the Bible that if God is real, he'll reveal himself to them. And we're going to be there to answer questions as we go. And we are going to pray for them as they read the Bible. Usually, if someone has a heart that soft, they're pretty close to being ready to get saved. Okay, now, once in a while, you'll run into, well, I think I'm already saved. And that's great, to be honest. I mean, that's wonderful. I'll always tell everyone the same thing. Well, you might be, I don't know. You know, it's not like we get a punch card or a certificate or anything. So that's completely between you and God. But would you be willing to go over what the Bible says just to make sure? And a lot of people will be willing to do that. Some won't. Sometimes I'll ask the person to tell me about when they got saved. And this, this can get into a difficult discussion. Sometimes I've had people go on a rabbit trail for 30 minutes and it's a rabbit trail of nonsense. And at those times it was clearly a mistake to ask that person, but it is telling that they obviously are not saved or if they are, they have no idea how to explain it to somebody. There are times when people will answer the question and they will give me a salvation account that sounds pretty close. But a lot of the times I'll say the same thing. Look, you might be saved. I don't know. But 
would you be willing to go over it just to be sure? That way we can both say, I know this person is saved. We went over the Bible on this day and did exactly what the Bible said to do. And most times people will say yes. The hardest ones you will ever run into are the people that have no idea how to get saved, but are 100% convinced that they are. And I've had cases and understand I'm not asking anyone to do this. I'm just telling you what I've done before where I've run in. I remember one guy specifically, it was, it was, it was just the coolest experience. And he, he went to a church and he went to a church where I knew some people that went there and I visited this church and I just wasn't really impressed with it, you know, but whatever. And this guy was like, Nope, I'm saved. And I asked him, you know, oh, great. Can you tell me about that? Uh, you know, and I, I had some follow-up questions for me, for him. And uh, it was ambiguous. It was a process kind of salvation where, well, I grew up in church and then I learned about who God was. And, you know, I started to believe this. And and there was no event. There was no time when this guy got saved. And, and we were going over it and we went back and forth. I must have talked to this guy for like, man, 30, 40 minutes. And the whole time I'm talking to him, I'm, I'm trying not to be, you know, real confrontational. And, and I'm trying not to like just flat out tell him, look, buddy, you are not saved. I don't want to tell you, but you have no idea what you're talking about, even though that's exactly what I was thinking at the time. And in the end, you know, I was, pr whenever he was talking, I was trying to listen to him and I was praying, just God, please soften this guy's heart. And we, we went back and forth and I kept asking him questions and bringing up the Bible. And all of a sudden he just stopped and he's like, man, you know what? I'm not saved. And I mean, I just couldn't believe that, you know, that he came to that point, but this was a guy that thought he was a Christian for so long. And, uh, and I don't remember it was right there on his front steps or we went into the house, but whichever it was, we got down on our knees and we prayed and, and he made sure that he was saved and he felt great. And he thanked me and I thanked him. I said, you just made my week. I was like, that's the greatest. And I told him, I was like, okay, man, now you got to get baptized. And he's like, but I already was baptized. And he stopped in the middle and he's like, oh yeah, that didn't count. And I was like, no, I was like, we don't get baptized before we get saved. It's like, that's not how it works. Once you're only saved, people can get baptized. Uh, other than that, people just get wet. <laughs> okay. That's not, you know, that's not a baptism and it was great. You know, I don't know if he ever went back to his church and, and got baptized. And like a lot of these people that I run into, you know, here and there, I don't get to keep in touch with most of them, but, um, either way, it was very exciting, you know, to see that this, this guy got saved at the end and he just realized that, being in church for a long time doesn't mean you're saved. Anyway, we reached an hour. I really appreciate you guys sticking with me. Sorry, I fumbled through those slides a lot. I was trying to make this more user-friendly for everyone that's going to watch this video one day, but it didn't work out that well. So I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about next Sunday night. If Caleb's around, we'll get into some fun topic. And if he's not, maybe we'll go over Salvation 102 and we'll kind of answer a couple of questions that often come up and some confusion points that a lot of Christians have about salvation that I think kind of muddy the waters and get in the way of the very simple plan, which is Jesus and the work that he had done. Thank you all for joining us and listening tonight. I ask that you would please get on Spotify or Google Play, look up Bible Thumper, Please download, listen to, like, and share as many of these podcasts as you can and help us to please try to get the word out. 
And with that, we will see you next Sunday. Caleb should be back and I'm sure we'll have a great time. So until then, have a good week. May God bless you and good night.